Today on Hardwired. Revelations 2, verse 12. Here's what it says about Pergamos. To the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. What's that talk about? The word of God coming out of Christ's mouth. I know where you live, where Satan... Wow, this is another heavy statement. I know where you live in Pergamos, where Satan has his throne. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message. But you can also listen to it again, or any of the messages, anytime you would like, at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, last time we were together, we began a brand new series through the book of Revelation that I've called A New World is Coming. And indeed it is. There is a brand new world coming. Jesus Christ is going to be the ruler of the universe. And I look forward to that day. But until that day, we can certainly see what Jesus himself predicted in the book of Revelation for the last days. Today, we're going to look at what I've called the postcards from the edge. Jesus had a special word for seven churches that existed in the time of John and What he had to say to those churches applied to us today as Christians and in our own churches. All of them have a very special personal application for those of us who are alive in these exciting times. So let's go right to today's message, Postcards from the Edge. Has there ever been a time when America needed the Word of God more than now? Not that I've ever seen. No, no, we need the Word big time. And so we're going through the book of Revelation. Now I'm calling this tonight postcards to the churches because the Lord Jesus is going to focus on seven churches that were real churches back in John's time in the first century. Now the first one we looked at last time, the church in Ephesus, but I wanna do a little recap before we look at the other six churches because what Jesus said to these six churches, the seventh one included is for you and me, amen? So last time in our very opening study in the book of Revelation, we saw in chapter one that it has a key theme. And the key theme of Revelation is the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's the theme of all 22 chapters. It begins that way and everything leads up to that. And then he returns and then it also predicts what will happen after he has returned. But the whole theme is the return of Jesus Christ. So needless to say, he's coming back. Amen? Now, the return of Christ is called the parousia. That's the Greek word for it, parousia. And it means presence or arrival. That's the second coming of Christ, the parousia. So when we say the parousia, we're talking about the visible return of Jesus to the earth. Every eye will see him. As a matter of fact, 
The Bible says, behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. That means the Jewish people. And all the tribes of the earth are gonna mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I told you, they're all gonna mourn. Why are all the tribes of the earth gonna mourn? Because of what they missed. They're gonna realize when he comes back, oh, all those Christians were right. They were telling the truth and we missed it. And we're mourning. They're wringing their hands. They're in anguish over what they missed. Now, that's the key thing, but there's also a key purpose for John to record this book. And it's found in verse 19. And it says, write the things that you have seen, past tense, the things that are present tense, and the things which will take place after this. So he said, John, I want you to write what has already taken place. So John writes about the crucifixion and resurrection and his vision of the resurrected Messiah. But then he also deals with what was right then. And that's those seven churches. They existed right then. These are not make-believer symbols or metaphors for church. These were seven real churches in real time, not too far away from Patmos where John was exiled. All right? So that's what was. So the first three chapters deal with what was and what is. But the next 19 deal with what will take place. So it's a profoundly prophetic book. It's the longest prophecy in the New Testament, book of Revelation. And then we closed out last time in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, with a look at the first of the seven churches, the risen Christ Jesus addresses, and that was the church in Ephesus. And if you want to get that, grab the notes and you can see what we said about it last week. So we're going to just pick up with these churches and let's see what the Lord Jesus, who says about every one of them, I know you. I know your works. I know what's going on in your midst. I know you. It's really something. He's shown standing in the midst of the seven churches. There he is in the midst. And there's nothing hidden from his eyes. So he moves to the second church after Ephesus, and that's the church in Smyrna. Now, the Smyrna church was the persecuted church, while Ephesus was the loveless church, right? They lost their first love. But Smyrna is the persecuted church. And look what Jesus says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write. Now, the angel, remember, Angelos, messenger, probably talking to the pastor. To the angel of the church, the pastor, the leadership in Smyrna, write. These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. And that's something. They're materially poor, but Jesus said they're rich. Right? And we're going to see later with Laodicea, they were rich and they were spiritually poor. So, he says, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, but they're not, but are of a synagogue of Satan. Now, that's strong words. They say they're Jews, but they're not. They say they're real and genuine and authentic followers of God, but they're not. Because these were the Judaizers. These were the Jewish people that literally followed Paul from city to city when he would preach 
and all these people would get saved. And they would come along behind Paul and say, no, 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 listen, he's only told you half the story. You've got to combine Moses with Christ in order to be saved. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow Mosaic law. You've got to follow Moses and Christ for your salvation to be complete. And they were called Judaizers and they plagued Paul. They were a thorn in his side. So Jesus literally says, they say they're Jews, but in my opinion, from where I sit, they are in a synagogue of Satan because they are taking away from the grace of God and making you think you've got to do works to be saved and not just by grace alone. Now let's talk about Smyrna just a little bit, a little bit of background. The city of Smyrna was wealthy. It was a wealthy city and it was famous. Yet many in this church in Smyrna were suffering poverty and heavy-duty persecution. And Jesus assures them. He says, look, I'm aware of your suffering. I want you to stop and think for a minute. He's aware of your suffering. He said, I know what you're going through. I'm aware of it. He literally said, I'm aware of it. I see it. I know it. I feel it. When they persecute you, they persecute me. I know you're feeling the pangs of poverty. I'm with you in it. I'm walking through it with you. He's aware that they are oppressed. He actually tells them that they have the wealth that really matters, which is salvation through Jesus Christ. If you're saved tonight, you're rich. Right? You are. Because let's take Elon Musk. He's in the news just a little bit these days, right? Bought Twitter. Now, I don't know if he's saved or not, but he's supposed to be the richest man in the world. But guess what? If he doesn't know Christ, he's materially rich, but it stops there. Because in his soul, in his spirit, man, as Jesus will tell the Laodicean church, you're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, poor, blind, poor, and blind, and naked. So from Jesus' view, you can have all the money in the world, be the richest man on the planet, but you're in poverty if you don't know him. All right? Because you're not taking any of it with you. Not one thing are you taking with you. Nothing. Salvation is true wealth. And they were experiencing strong persecutions that were primarily coming from these false teachers, these Judaizers that rose up to oppose genuine Christianity, which was you are saved by grace through faith alone. That's it. Saved by grace through faith alone. Nothing we can do to add even a scintilla of help that God needs to get us saved. No, it's all done. It is finished. And then Jesus says, and guess what? It's about to get worse for you folks in Smyrna. He said, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. Did you catch that? Some of you are headed to prison. He said that to them. You will suffer for 10 days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Now, Jesus knew what was coming before it arrived. Jesus knew what they were about to suffer before the suffering even happened. He knew. Just like when he knew Simon Peter was going to deny him. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has requested you to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that when you are tested and you have failed miserably, your faith won't fail, but you will return. And when you return, you're going to be stronger than ever and you will strengthen the brethren. So he says, that, now he mentions 10 days. The devil's going to throw you into prison for 10 days. Now, a lot of ways you can interpret that. I'll just throw this out. The 10 days 
I don't think it was just 10 days. You're going to prison for 10 days. Nobody would sweat that that much. But he was referring to the 10 terrible periods of persecution unleashed by the Roman Empire between 64 AD to 316 AD. They were under 10 terrible Roman emperors that persecuted them one after another. So many commentators believe that Jesus is talking about 10 days being the 10 seasons of persecution you're going to suffer under these wicked men, like a Nero who was alive when John wrote this, and those that came later. They were terrible, terrible, terrible people, and the Christians suffered greatly. But Jesus promised a crown of life that to those that stay true to the faith. A crown of life. Stay true, you're going to get a crown of life. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. Now I'll leave you with a nugget with, for every one of these churches. Here's just a, a takeaway nugget. Jesus knows exactly what we're going through. And he encourages us to keep our eyes on the coming reward. That's what he was doing. Get your eyes off your suffering, off of your poverty, off of the Judaizers, and get your eyes on the reward. Because eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Amen? Amen? Now, the third church he addresses is in Pergamos. And Pergamos is the worldly church, all right? Revelations 2, verse 12, here's what it says about Pergamos. To the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. What's that talk about? The word of God coming out of Christ's mouth. I know where you live, where Satan, wow, this is another heavy statement. I know where you live in Pergamos, where Satan has his throne. First, he talks about the synagogue of Satan that these Jews belong to. But now he's saying, in Pergamos, Satan's got a throne there. Yet you remain true to my name. You do not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city. So some believer named Antipas was martyred in Pergamos. And then he says again, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Now, I want to make a couple of quick comments. Number one, Satan is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once, like God. He is locationally somewhere. The legions of demons that are mentioned in Ephesians 6, the whole hierarchical structure of his kingdom principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, that whole demonic hierarchy, they're not omnipresent. They are commissioned to go to different places. I can tell you, if you've ever traveled much, 
there are some countries you can fly into. And when you start getting into the airspace of that country, you can feel an oppression. Because there is something over that country where the enemy has commissioned demon spirits to be there. But now I want you to know, this is not embellishment. Jesus tells the Christians in Pergamos, Satan locationally has a throne in your city. That's not great news. Locationally, the devil has a throne in your city. That's what he said. He says Satan lives there, and that's where he has his throne. So if that's the case, where is he now? You know what? I don't care. I do care where Christ is, and I know where he is. He's at the right-hand side of the Father. But it seems to me a greater activity of the enemy has found a way into America in the last few years, more than I ever remember. And that means we need to be praying, walking with Christ, preaching the gospel, which is the power of God to salvation to everybody who believes, and not be ashamed of Christ or of our testimony in him. Amen? Now, Jesus points out two false doctrines that had crept into this church, the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, I'll tell you what the doctrine of Balaam is in a nutshell. It's very easy. It refers to the advice of Balaam to Balak, the Moabite king, where he encouraged the Moabites, Balaam did, he encouraged the Moabites to intermingle with the Israelites to sexually seduce them, resulting in God's judgment on Israel. And it was a dastardly thing that he did. Because remember, Balak wanted Balaam to curse Israel. And every time Balaam stood up to curse Israel, God wouldn't let him and the Holy Ghost came upon him and he prophesied wonderfully. He even delivered an incredible messianic prophecy. But that was only when the Spirit of God came upon him, which goes to show you God can use anybody, even a donkey. He can speak through anything. And Balaam was a donkey, right? He was not a good man. And when all of you know, Balak being frustrated with him and saying, you know, you didn't do what I asked you to do. I paid you money to do this and you didn't do it. Balaam said, all right, come here and I'll give you a little bit of counsel. You tell the Moabites to infiltrate the Israeli camp with women and the men will intermingle and the men will intermarry with them and they will be corrupted. And it's exactly what happened. So the doctrine of Balaam is the doctrine of moral compromise, which always leads to corruption. Are we there today? I mean, are we there today in ways you never thought you would ever see? We're talking about being in the twilight zone and then some. But you know what? That's the doctrine of Balaam, but the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was the same thing. Haley's Bible Handbook tells us, quote, sexual vice was actually a part of Nicolaitan heathen worship and recognized as a proper thing in heathen festivals. The priestesses of Nicolaitan idol worship were actually temple prostitutes. Now, this had somehow found its way into the church, and Jesus sees it. Now, we go, how could they have ever let that happen? I ask you today, stop and think a minute. If you do any reading at all of what's going on in churches around the world, look at what has infiltrated whole denominations. We're marrying, not we, but they are marrying same-sex couples. They're ordaining active, outspoken homosexuals into ministry. And I'm sorry, you know, this isn't Jeff. This is what the word itself condemns. 
this is out there. And 40 years ago, would you have ever thought you would ever see an entire denomination or several of them sell out to that doctrine of the Nicolaitans and the doctrines of Balaam? But it's very similar. And Jesus is saying to them, he gives them a word of correction. And it's a very simple word, repent, repent. He says, repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He says, I'm giving you time to repent. You better take advantage of it because if they don't repent, I'm coming and there's going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. So here's the nugget as you get away from this church. It's the responsibility of every Christian to discern between truth and error, right? This crazy Nicolaitan Balaam doctrine should have been spotted by the believers and resisted, but they found a way in. They infiltrated wolves in sheep's clothing, angels of light. We're going to see it again in just a minute with another church that fell to this. As a matter of fact, it's the next one, Thyatira. Thyatira is the wrong doctrine church. Jesus' opening words tell us a whole lot. He says, this is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I want everybody to say that with me. He knows all the things I do, right? He does. See, Santa Claus stole Jesus' line. He knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. No, no, Santa stole that from the book of Revelation. Because only Jesus knows everything you do at any time, right? And so watch this now. He says, I've seen your love. I've seen your faith. I've seen your service. I've seen your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. So he gives you a word of encouragement before he comes in with the correction. And as with all but two of the seven churches, Jesus has a corrective word here for Thyatira. Now he's going to really meddle with their stuff. Look what he says, verse 20. I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. Now remember, who are these written to? They're written to the angels of the churches. What is angel? Angelos. What does it mean? Messenger. Well, he's not telling the angels of God all of this. This wouldn't be news to them. Who's he writing this to? The leadership of the churches. And he's saying, you have permitted this woman, Jezebel. What was she doing? She teaches them to commit sexual sin. There we go again. And to eat food offered to idols. Very, very similar to the church at Pergamos. Very similar stuff going on. And Jesus says, I've got eyes like flames of fire. My eyes see through everything. Okay? So he says, almost all of the Lord's message to Thyatira deals with a woman named Jezebel. Now, I don't know if this was her actual name, because if you read the Bible at all, you know there was another Jezebel in the Old Testament who was bad news baby. She slaughtered the prophets of God. She was wicked head to toe. I mean, this woman was consummately wicked. She worshiped Baal. She led all of Israel into Baalism, idol worship. She corrupted the whole nation. Ahab, her poor little lackadaisical, lackluster husband, just followed her around, letting her take charge and take control. So it could be that Jesus uses this name just to let us know because we associate 
that wicked Jezebel of the Old Testament. He said, I want you to know this one that is in Thyatira, she's just as wicked. And she's introducing idolatry and immorality into the congregation under the guise of being a prophetess. I've got the word of the Lord. I've got the word. Hama, hama, hama. I've got the word of the Lord. And here's what God is saying. And under the guise of being super spiritual, she came in under the radar and the church leadership missed it because Jesus says, you're permitting this woman. What's up with you? You can always hear him saying, what's wrong with you? You should have spotted this. You should have seen this. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day and thanks for listening to Hardwired. Hardwired.